What Else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. One-on-one conversations with some of your favorite artists. Find this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker.com. What Else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. At Sif Pop. We're your movie friends. And are friends really friends? If you don't know them, so grab a popcorn. And head over to our row. So we can chat movies. Like friends do. There's always room for more movie friends. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the writer's room. Hello and welcome to Sif Pop Writer's Room. I'm your host, Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And today I'm joined by Sif Pop Writer's Alex. Hello, hello. And for the first time, Jeffrey. Hello, hello. Uh, we write SifPop.com. We do movie reviews, best ever challenges, lots of other interesting movie-related articles. So make sure to check out the website SifPop.com to keep up with those. Uh, Alex recently did a Peacemaker Season 1 review. Going to plug that real quick. Um, so Thank if you. you're interested in checking out Peacemaker, check out his review. Um, Jeffrey, you had something recently. I'm sorry, I just don't remember it off the top of my head. Yeah, last uh, review I did was Moonfall. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And you hated it too, so... <laughs> Yeah, don't. I mean, you know, I would love for people to read my review, but I'm just gonna say right now, like, don't don't waste your time watching that movie. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. I I tried to be a little bit a little bit coy when saying the like, you know, that when we posted it, like when it went to Twitter and Facebook and all that. I tried to be a little bit coy, being like, look, both Aaron's really hated the movie. Like, but maybe there's like maybe Jeffrey likes it. Maybe he can speak to the and it was just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh. I, I don't know anybody on our writing team that finds that movie enjoyable. Like, like certainly nobody thinks it's good, but mm-hmm. you know, I, <laughs> this is one of those movies that you could certainly see somebody thinking it's enjoyable, and I don't think we have that at all. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, but BECs every Friday. Uh, check those out on the site. Uh, those are always a lot of fun. Um, It'll be a really interesting one coming up this Friday. I don't, I don't typically spoil them, but there will be a mixture of uh, live action as well as ale. a lot of stuff mm-hmm. that we don't necessarily get to talk about, and a lot of stuff that we talk about literally all the time. So, um, let's just say that the Dark Knight is going to be number one, just because it's on the list. You know, I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> even though I prefer the movie that came before that one, but anyway. Um, yeah, we'll talk about, uh, on the show, on the podcast today, we'll talk about uh, Coming Attraction. Obviously, we got the Batman coming out this week. Uh, Matt Reeves, the Batman. Uh, I imagine we have quite a few things to say about that. Uh, we'll we'll talk about two nostalgia films. Uh, and uh, even though Alex is on, we're not talking about Shrek 3. Uh, we'll save that for a later date. Uh, we'll talk about Scooby-Doo and Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed. Uh, I'm, really ha- I'm really happy that these were, like, it's one of those that, like, they're on the list of like want to rewatch, but like they might come up on the podcast any, any given month. So like I refrain from watching it. Mm-hmm. So, cause I don't want to watch it. And then like it, it get assigned the next month and then be like, oh, I just watched it. I have to watch it again. Like, you know, it's fine. It'll be fun to talk about those. And we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk about the B plot. Just kind of seeing Batman is, uh, all over pop culture. Kind of what do we want to see done with Batman in the future? Uh, and, uh, we'll wrap up with a spinoff. Quick recommend or warn from each one of us. But first, let's get a chance to know our writers this week. Uh, Jeffrey, this is the first time on the show, so I got the uh, standard questions for you. Um, when did you realize that movies are kind of your thing? So my love of movies kind of came like in reverse of the usual way that people uh, fall into movies and movie criticism. So when I was okay. little, I actually had a YouTube show where I did movie reviews, but it wasn't because I liked I love movies. That. I just wanted to do something. Like I just wanted to do something on YouTube. And then through yeah, yeah. doing movie reviews, that's when I fell in love with movies. Um, mm. so it's a weird kind of like 
<laughs> turn it around on that because most people like doing movie reviews because they like movies. Sure. Um, so yeah. Heck yeah. Is it is it one of those projects you look back and are embarrassed about? Like, oh, it's gone. It's not on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's, oh, it's been erased. It was a very formative thing for me to do, honestly, in my life. But it, like you know, once it gave me that that passion for movies, I was like, all right, well. <laughs> I'm looking back on it and I don't really want this to be seen or viewed or witnessed. So yeah. yeah. Look, I think it's I think at some point we all tried to do something on or Oh yeah. Whatever. Um so and whenever like I did stuff in high school, um, it sucked. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was it was mostly video game stuff and it was like making compilations or whatever, um, of like funny moments from things or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was bad. Um I think it's still out there, but I've definitely severed all ties to <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and I'm like kind of working on a restoration progress of this podcast that I did back in high school mm-hmm. that went for about 80 episodes. And I'm like mixing with the audio just a little bit and going to upload them and then just, I don't know, be prepared to take it down at any given minute <laughs> to see when I, when I actually listen to them, if I hate it or not. Uh and it was 10 years ago, too, so we were a little bit more loose with some of the things that we said. So, you know, I'm sure a lot of it hasn't aged. But, uh, so do you have, like, a specific movie that kind of, like, you were doing the reviews for, and then it just you just kind of realized, like, oh, like, this is like, this is it. Like, do you have one that kind of triggered you from just doing it as a hobby to doing it for, for legitimate fun? Uh, I don't think so. I feel like it was more of a process. I did it for, like, two years, and I think as, as it went on, you know, I watched a lot more movies in a year mm-hmm. than I'd previously done ever before in my life. And I just kind of gradually started getting more and more interested in like, why do movies work? Like um, what actually makes this good as opposed to just me watching this as a kid, just like seeing things on a screen. Yeah, and yeah. Um, yeah, that's how I got invested. Much. Sweet. Uh, so then do you have a, like, what's your favorite movie of all time? And then like, really like what makes that your favorite movie? Yeah. See, that was always a hard question for me because it changes constantly. I will say my first, the first movie that I did consider my favorite, um, was Titanic at like 11 Mm -hmm. because I was like, well, probably like, probably maybe even 10. Like all I had watched before that movie was like the Disney channel or whatever, like, you know, whatever people are nine or eight watch. And so as you can imagine, like, I watched Titanic on cable and like before that, like my cinematic peak was like, I don't know, like Camp Rock 2 or something. I don't know. So like, (laughs) it was like just this massive leap. Like, oh, you can like make things like this. Like you can make a three hour movie and like there's romance and like a ship exploding. Like Uh I want, like that was like the first movie I saw with like an actual budget basically, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like before it was like Shark Boy and Lava Girl and like Spy Kids or whatever. And that movie like just blew my mind when I was young because I was just didn't know that you could, make things like that um uh-huh. but now i'm not sure there's like 13 to 20 movies that could be my favorite at this that's point that's fair it's that's hard. fair yeah i uh i remember i i grew up in the era of vhs and uh there was two movies that we had on hand that were two vhs's we had more um but i remember i would specifically watch just one of them frequently i would frequently watch the second vhs of titanic because yeah. the second half is way more interesting than the first um and I would frequently watch the first VHS of Pearl Harbor. And then after, <laughs> after, after the battle is done, that's it. That's it. We're done. Um, so, I'll, you know, but I know like Green Mile was also one of those two for VHSs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny Mile, you say I'm that. I'm pretty sure. Because the, the second part of Titanic is the part I remember just kind of like when I was younger, like being impressed by. Because 
of course there's a love story but i'm like a nine-year-old boy and like it's just on right. you know what i mean i was like barely paying attention and i was just like oh wait the, sh- the ship is sinking like i actually, <laughs> I actually like didn't know because i was like nine and i was like whoa this just got real <laughs> so yeah yeah, I think uh, Titanic came out in, I think, what, 99? I think 97. 97. Okay, so yeah. I was born in 95, so, like, it was already a staple in my household, and I think okay. I watched the movie before I ever learned about the Titanic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Alex, we'll hop over to you for a second. Uh, will you remind us, uh, kind of just when you realized that movies were kind of your thing? Uh, every, it almost does change every time I come here, but uh, it was basically just... I grew up always going to Blockbuster every other weekend. And then the best part about it was just getting to rewatch my favorites. And I, as I got older, I was like, huh, people don't like to have discussions about movies as much as I do. I thought for a second I was the chosen one. I'm not. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but you know, I just like to go back and watch through my favorite scenes and everything. And it definitely, you know, having Blockbuster at the time was a huge uh, advantage. I mean, it definitely streaming services are a huge advantage. But uh, and then as I got older, I just wanted to know more, like what are the behind the scenes stuff and all that. And just your average typical movie fan made some stuff, got in contact with some people. And now here I am behind a microphone talking to some two amazing people. Jury's up on if I'm amazing or not, but um, I'll take it. <laughs> obviously, humble brag, you know, he's got to take it. <laughs> uh, and uh, so, Alex, what is that one that you would say is your favorite movie today and why? Uh, I think I said it the first time I was on, and I'm just going to go ahead and say it again. Jurassic Park, because that was the first time, because uh, I watched that 3D release in theaters. And that was my first ever experience of watching Jurassic Park, because I always heard it was a classic. And I was like, well, if I had the opportunity, this is the opportunity that I got to take. Mm-hmm. And so I forget who I went to go see it with. But uh, they took me to see it. And it was the first movie I walked away, not only, you know, just loving it, but was like, the music's great. The characters are like actual characters that stick out. Mm -hmm. You know, the writing is clever and it's not just some giant blockbuster action movie with creatures. It's all thought out and has a lot of care into it. And that put me on the road. And not only that, but it's a 1993 movie that still is maybe the best visual spectacle of all time. Like, exactly. (laughs) Man, I remember... Even having seen Jurassic Park probably a dozen times, going to see it in the IMAX 3D, like two things. One, being blown away. And two, being scared to death because the 3D (laughs) effects were unreal. Yeah. So a fun little fact about that 3D re-release is that, uh, so if you actually, nobody's got a 3D TV, but I used to have a PlayStation VR headset and the PS4 would play 3D movies. And when I bought my Jurassic Park collection, it gave me the version of that. Hmm. On the behind the scenes, that 3D cut is technically like a remaster of that movie because they digitally added in like small features, like they fix hairlines on people's heads that's not hmm. in the version that you will see now. They they added in some extra effects that definitely was kind of a cheat. But I mean, if you were going to do it, I, I don't mind because... It yeah. didn't change the movie. It just changed some stuff to really sell that 3D. I would imagine they used that for the 4K release. So I'm not. I, I can't confirm that, but I would imagine. Um, I don't know. I'll find out. I'll watch it. I'll watch it again here pretty soon. Uh, coming. That's nice. coming up. We're talking about all the Jurassic Park movie before, or right after Jurassic World Dominion comes out. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And that's how you do a remaster. You know, that's how you do a oh, yeah. reworking. Not not like what George Lucas did to the the Star Wars. Exactly. Trilogy. 
Um, so Jeffrey, you, uh, you're a relatively new writer here. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, kind of what, uh, what, how did you get involved in writing? So like, what's, uh, what's that thing that I think you were actually the first person to DM oh, really? when we, when we tweeted about it, I'm pretty sure it was quick. I'm, <laughs> if I remember correctly, you were the first person, but so like, what's, what's that thing, uh, to, uh, that kind of made you decide to take that jump? Yeah. So before joining Sif Pop, I had a blog that I was doing that started at the beginning of 2022, um, or sorry, 2021, just to do it. Um, and when I saw the Twitter post about it, I was like, this would be a good opportunity for me to meet some other people that are writing and not just have like my own blog and actually be a community of writers. So um, that's what interested me in joining up with you guys. Cool. Always a good reason. Um, yeah. And, uh, and Alex, you, I think have been writing, uh, we probably have this conversation every time. I think before me, it was right around the same time okay. because yeah, I this is all ringing <laughs> familiar bells. Right yeah. Now. Cause it was right at when they was like, Hey, so we're finally launching the website and here's some of the people that you should follow that are going to be writing on the website. And me and you didn't know each other much at first. I think no. it was until pandemic that we started talking mm-hmm. more and every yeah when we started playing among us for literally five hours every night yeah <laughs> um good times you must have joined before me because i i joined after the website's launch by at the time that's fair uh it was when we was doing our socials the first time because after a while we're deep into that year of 2019 then we were adding socials so it was like on that late 2019 early 20 when you joined right sounds about right there we go um no it was summer summer 2019 because okay. i joined and pretty quickly like it was right before toy story 4 came out and blake was the editor at the time and said hey uh like i was like hey can i write about toy story 4 i love toy story and he's like normally i might like to like save that for other writers but like sure like this will be a good test for you like sweet so it was right about like june 20 yeah so. all right <laughs> Um, all right. And then I have one random question for each of you. You can uh, choose to answer uh, whenever you have the answer ready. There's, I'm not going to call on you, but uh, what is a food that you really don't like? Don't like all of them. <laughs> all of them. You don't like I'm food. A, don't like food. I'm a, I'm a picky eater, man. I'll, I'll, I'll pick like five things to eat for the rest of my life and I'll hate it every single time. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. That's why I have pizza rolls right here. But you hate pizza rolls, but you still eat them. Yes, because I keep eating. Well, he has to eat. <laughs> I mean, you can't just not eat. I mean, gotta eat something. Yeah. So, 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 pizza, spaghetti, uh, tacos, burgers, and hot dogs. You'll love it till you hate it. <laughs> All right, that's fair. Oh, Man. the the foodie in me just hates that. <laughs> uh, what about you, Jeffrey? Do you have one that you really just don't like? I don't really like food, man. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> the best I can do is like I, I like kiwi. Not a big fan of that fruit, but I'll eat it. Like, <laughs> so you're just indifferent on everything. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not against. I'll try anything, and like even if it's something that I haven't liked in the past. Like everybody has different ways of doing things. So like if it's like, oh, I didn't like Brussels sprouts that one time. Like I'll try your Brussels sprouts because I don't know. Sure. I don't know how you right. Well, there's plenty of different ways to make things. Exactly. Yeah, so that's always I give everything a chance, <laughs> food wise. Yeah. The the really only two foods that I don't particularly like are um, uh, Italian beef and uh, which is sad, a shame to say, since I grew up near Chicago, like the place mm-hmm. where they make Italian beef the best in the world. You know, like Portillo's, but um, you know, and other, those other like local hole in the wall joints. But like, I've just never liked it. 
and uh, and meatloaf is the other one. And meatloaf is. <laughs> I hate I hate meatloaf, and it's it's the worst because typically, like you know, I, I, I there was there was a period of time, especially when I was in college, where like I would be helping out. Uh, like with churches and whatnot, since I was in Bible mm-hmm. college and I played drums and whatnot, they that they would uh, um, like people would be like, "Hey, like thanks for coming out. We're gonna feed you after service." Like, great. It's like so somebody has prepared food at your home. I'm like, it's gonna be Italian. And uh, there was this one, <laughs> there was this like it's always Italian beef because it's easy and relatively cheap, and you put it in a crock pot, you go to church, you come back, and it's done. like it's really mm-hmm. like that's always what it is. And like, I don't like Italian beef. And I was with another person who was going on a meat fast at the time. So he hadn't had meat in like two months and Italian Mm -hmm. beef just like ripped him up on the inside. (laughs) And I was just like, I'm stopping by Burger King on the way home or something. So I had a little bit to be polite. Uh, And then, (laughs) so it's like, it's, yeah, it's the worst because those are, it's specifically Italian beef. It's like every potluck has it, you know, Mm -hmm. at least, at least in the Midwest. So, um, I also hate Hamburger Helper, but I think the world has gotten over Hamburger Helper. So yeah, we're kind of past that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, ne- it's never been good. <laughs> cool. All right, man. Sad. <laughs> I'm like I'm making fish tacos, like getting ready to have them do- done, and like so after we're done, I can eat them, and like I'm like taking taking care with all these like spices and like different kind of like homemade stuff, and it's just like you guys are like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think we've gone long enough without talking about the Batman. So, are we ready to do that? Yes. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, the Batman. This is the new uh, Matt Reeves, uh, written and directed, starring Robert Pattinson, Zoe Kravitz, Jeffrey Wright. Um, this is year two Batman. So, a a very early Batman. This is, I think, from all of I think from the way that we're supposed to understand, completely void and separate from every iteration of everything. Um, this definitely isn't the Ben Affleck the same Ben Affleck Batman. And this definitely isn't uh, like, this is supposed to be a prequel to that. And as far as we know, this isn't supposed to be connected to the Joker in any way. No, uh, this is supposed sense. to be its own thing. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be super surprised if kind of the way, like with that, both of these time frames are set. Cause this is not set in the present day. Um, at least ah! I don't think as much as I'm trying not to watch the trailers, there is somebody holding a smartphone at one point. Oh, okay. I don't know. It just, it just looks and feels because it's year two. It just looks and feels kind of like late seventies, early eighties. Mm-hmm. Like the Batmobile is yeah. essentially a DeLorean with some, you know, like steel sheets put on top of it. <laughs> <That's> um, <pretty laughs> yeah. I so, never thought about that, but yeah, it pretty much is. Uh, let's see. Uh, Robert Pattinson uh, playing Bruce Wayne. Zoe Kravitz, Selena Kyle, Paul Dano playing, um, uh, the Riddler, Barry Keoghan. Um, he's one of those guys that, like, you know his face when you see him. He's in Dunkirk. Colin Farrell playing Penguin. Uh, Peter Skarsgård, John Tortoro, Andy Serkis playing Alfred, Jeffrey Wright, um, Commissioner Gordon, or just, just as James, probably. That looks like a notable name. Hmm? Paul Dano is the Riddler? Yeah, I already said that. Oh, okay. I'm dumb. Uh, that's not true. Say something nice about yourself. <laughs> I'm not as short as I think. There you go. Um, at the at the place that I work, self deprecating humor got to be so bad that anytime we said it, we said now you have to say something nice about yourself. <laughs> oh, that. It's been something that's kind of carried over. So uh, Peter Craig also writing on this um, should be. But the Batman. Here we go. Uh, all right, guys. Here's the scale. On uh, let's let's say no COVID in the world anymore. Right, that's not a thing. We're not worried about that at all. And let's say that oh, well, this is a theatrical release, so I don't have to give that stipulation. This won't be in anywhere except for theaters um this this friday 
Um, I guess Thursday night, really. And mm-hmm. It already actually, as we're recording this, it's premiering in IMAX because um, they did an early Monday release. Um, mm. So um, all that, nothing is keeping you there. Your budget's not a concern, whatever. Nothing is keeping you from the theater except for um, your own free will. Are you guys checking this out? Opening weekend, waiting, waiting for a matinee, waiting till you can rent it at home, wait till it's on the streaming service you already pay for, or are you not interested in this movie? Alex, let's start with you. Opening night. I'm, I'm there. Okay. Very excited. Uh, Jeffrey, what about you? Yeah, the very least opening weekend, just because I feel like I feel like this movie is going to have a lot of spoilers, and I, I don't want to be I don't want to be caught up. Sure. Be there before it gets out. Yeah. Yeah, this is one of those that, like, I'm going as soon as I possibly can, probably Thursday or Friday night, ideally on the biggest screen I can. Um, yeah, I just, as far as this anticipation scale, though, I'm actually going to go ahead and say rent at home. Um, and look, and again, in, in all reality, too, again, huge screen, biggest one I can, as early as I can, especially to avoid spoilers. I just, I'm going to live with rent, and, and I want to start with the positives. Tell me why you guys are so excited about this movie. We'll go first, Jeffrey. Yeah, sure. So, I think... In a weird way, I'm not excited as much just to watch another Batman movie. Like, I'm sure Robert Pattinson will be fine. Um, I'm not excited to see his Batman because we've just had so many Batman <laughs> over the years. Um, what I'm Same. more excited for is uh, I'm ready for the story. I'm curious about how Paul Dano is going to play the Riddler. I'm curious about Colin Farrell's Penguin. I'm curious about Zoe Kravitz's Catwoman. Like, all the side characters... I'm I'm just really curious to see how they all play in together because there's a lot of characters in this. Movie. I'm trying to figure mm-hmm. out like how is this all going to be. Um, so that's what I'm more invested in. I know a lot of people are really excited to to see Robert Pattinson's Batman betrayal, but for me, it's just like we've had so many <laughs> Batman over the past twenty years. It's like eh, that's just not interesting to me. And, the rest and is. like and like pretty much all of them are good. I mean, yeah, yeah. E- even though Clooney is in a terrible movie, he he did what he was paid to do like yeah exactly i would not hate seeing clooney back in the bat suit he would be a good like actual serious batman if they wanted to do that especially especially at this point in his career absolutely yeah um yeah and and, you know it goes to say something that maybe val kilmore was the worst but he's still fine he's still good um all right alex convince me okay so batman is my number one of all time uh I, i love the dark knight trilogy to death i'm even a defender of the dark knight rises <laughs> I think it's bad, but I love it. <laughs> but when it comes to this new movie, I am doing everything that I can to not look at a single frame. I did cheat with that first ever teaser trailer because they was in the middle of like shooting them at the time. Mm-hmm. And it was like shooting will presume or something. And I was like, all right, so there's a possibility some of this stuff might not even show up because, you know, they got to do reshoots and stuff. That, and that teaser of- trailer that is essentially Robert Pattinson beating the crap out of somebody for like 27 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so to an extent, I'm kind of there with Jeffrey because, like, as like as much as I'm saying opening day, because I do want to go opening day, it's weird because I'm not overly excited, and I've never been like this for a movie in a while, which I'm kind of glad because that just means that like when I walk out and I think it's amazing, which I'm really hoping that's the case, mm-hmm. I'm gonna have a, such an amazing time. But the thing that has me excited is just. The fact that from what it looks like, because, you know, when we got Nolan's Batman, it was like, oh, this is like the realistic version of Batman. Like, if this really happened, this is what Batman would be like. And somehow they was like, all right, but what if we just did a little bit more faithful while also changing it up a bit? And again, just that 
the side characters and the supporting cast like just every time i've seen like a still of these people on on twitter pop up like so and so has been announced here's their first look i'm like yep that's definitely catwoman yep that's definitely uh you know gordon yep that's definitely you know just i'm that's what's keeping me excited you know because we've had a lot of batman but doing something new with it you know hey you catch my attention that's what's got me there opening night okay yeah uh gosh um Here's the thing. I, everything on this paper makes me really, really, really excited to see this. I can't get excited about the trailers whatsoever. Like that's that's my big thing. I can't I can't get excited about anything that I've seen other than that very first teaser trailer. I mean, you're looking at Robert Pattinson. I think will make a very good, specifically Bruce Wayne, um, but he should be fine. Paul Dano might go down as one of the best Batman villains there's ever been because him casting as Riddler is just divine. Um, you know, Zoe Kravitz, I'm sure will make a good Catwoman. Colin Farrell looks like he'll probably do a good Penguin. You know, um, like Andy Serkis as Alfred, sure. Jeffrey Wright, I'm a big Jeffrey Wright fan, so why not? Um, uh, you know, James Gordon, I'm sure. Hopefully, he, hopefully they don't just use him kind of like they use J.K. Simmons, uh, Commissioner Gordon. Hopefully, they actually give him something to do, like they did Gary Oldman, John Turturro, love him. Peter Skarsgård, I mean, like. Everything about this on paper, specifically Matt Reeves writing and directing, because I'm a big, big, big fan of the Planet of the Apes trilogy. And he only did the second two. He didn't do the first one. But to me, that is the best trilogy of all time. And the movies only got better. So, like, specifically thinking of those. Um, the Peter, Peter Craig, the other writer, um, he, uh, he's, he did Mo- Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 1 and 2. And he did Bad Boys for Life. But he also did The Town. So at least co-wrote with them. So like, you got to feel like this is really Matt Reeves' project and this guy's just filling in some of the gaps. So like all that's really exciting, but to, to, to kind of to throw your words back at you, Jeffrey, you, 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 you said this, this kind of just looks like another Batman movie. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, and, and, and Catwoman, Riddler, Penguin, we've all seen these people before. Yeah. There's and, like, no new characters. Yeah. Like there's not a, yeah, right. And like, it's not like there's a lack of them in Batman. Like, look, thank God they're just not using the Joker again, right? Because, like, I love the Joker. He's arguably my favorite character in all the comics. But, like, he's been so overused that, like, it's it'll, it'll be refreshing to see Batman without Joker again. Because um, you know, even in something like Batman versus Superman, like, you see Robin's costume with Joker's figure. Like, even though he's not in it, like, it's still very much a presence. Um, so like, it'll be really refreshing to see a Batman story without Joker in it again. Um, but it's like, we've already seen Penguin and I have a feeling this will be kind of an amalgamation of the Gotham Penguin and the Batman Returns Penguin. This obviously be a very different Riddler than, uh, than Jim Carrey, but like, I really like that Jim Carrey Riddler. And like, how many times have we seen Catwoman at this point too? Also like, yeah, I, I, I guess at least, I guess twice. Michelle Pfeiffer and Anne Hathaway, but like, and she was in Gotham, well, and, and and in Gotham. There you go. That's the other one. And uh, and the Holly Berry Catwoman that I've never seen. So, but I know oh. a bunch of people just cringed because I mentioned it. Oh, you should like, just just to do it, just to put yourself through it. You should watch that. Movie. Hey, when you're five years old and you're watching a movie and you're not even supposed to know that bad movies exist, and you're like, something about this ain't good. That's how you know your movie's oh, yeah. bad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so like. Look, all of this on paper seems like it should be the best Batman movie we've ever gotten, but I just can't get excited about it because it looks like just another Batman movie. And maybe this is the thing is Matt Reeves from the very beginning has promised to do better. And like, look, that's not, that's not a rip on any other Batman movies. Most of them are really good. Uh, but like he, he straight up said like, 
I would you know I wouldn't take the project if I couldn't do something different with him. And he's constantly highlighted the detective aspect of Batman. He's like, nobody's quite gotten it right in live action film. I want to be the person to do it. And I haven't seen a single bit of detecting in any of these trailers. And maybe, maybe he's just holding it for the final product. And if he is, great. But like it's just it was announced it was apparently announced today, and I don't know if Kevin Feige was saying it as a joke, but like that uh, th- there will be no trailer for Thor Love and Thunder. There will be no media. There will be no press. There will be nothing. You just get the movie when you get the movie. And first of all, brilliant. Please. Because um, imagine, imagine. well, like, they kind of needed it for Thor Ragnarok because nobody was going to go to another Thor movie without seeing the tone of that movie. But like, imagine if you didn't know that Hulk reveal from, like, there'd be so much. Imagine, imagine if Avengers Endgame didn't have a trailer and even that trailer didn't show anything. Like, just, just go in for, like, Batman is a big enough name. There's no reason they had to have trailers for this. Just yeah. say the Batman is coming out this week and everybody would have been there. Like I'm hope I'm hoping that they're only putting in the just another Batman movie stuff in the trailer and they're saving all the good unique original stuff for the actual movie. I mean it's a 3 hour long movie. So, yeah, I feel like I feel like that's hopefully what they're doing. I think they're probably holding back on a lot of plot points within the trailers just to keep them as a surprise when you watch it. Um, because truly, yeah, the trailers don't really... They killed they all my excitement. Yeah, they're not exciting. They're not showing me anything where I'm just like, oh my god, I gotta go out and see it. Like The promise of uh, of a Matt Reeves Batman movie, like you said, I also really like the last two Planet of the Apes movies. Like, that's, that's what's bringing me to the theater, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, the trailers were okay <laughs> they weren't they weren't anything spectacular right yeah and it's um I, it's it's also hard to get excited about a movie that has a three-hour runtime when it's not when, when i'm already not really excited about in the first place so the runtime just makes me all right i guess like if i wind up not being impressed by this movie like i'm already not like i don't want to sit there and watch it for another two and a half hours like it, it, it's different you know and again like Eternals was a really long movie and that wasn't necessarily the most exciting. Um, but Avengers Endgame was three hours, but like, come on, like everybody was stoked for a three hour movie after infinity war. Um, no way home is getting an extended cut release next week. So I guess by the way, quick plug for that, like if you're interested in seeing a couple extra scenes throw in, it's coming out next week uh, in theaters again. Um, like it's, it's hard for me to get excited about a three hour movie unless I'm genuinely excited about it. And then when they reveal the runtime is really long, it's like, yeah, sweet. Awesome, let's do it. Mm-hmm. But and and I don't know. Maybe it's the other thing of like this is really close to Spider Man, and maybe this is just me pulling in other stuff into my my thing. But I, I I've seen a lot of people like just being mad that people would cheer in a movie theater because of Spider Man No Way Home, and you know it, people are just starting to express it a little bit more. Pe- these people have probably always been mad about it. And it's like if I want to go see a movie like the Batman in the theater, I want to hoot and holler and scream and shout <laughs> and express all of my emotions. Just like I did when I saw Endgame, just like I did when I saw Spider-Man, like, especially for three hours, like I'm not going to sit there and just shut up. And like, I'm already going to have to miss at least five minutes of the movie. Cause no way I'm making it through a three hour movie without peeing. But I hope those haters are happy because Charlie Cox tried to sneak into a screening of Spider-Man and nobody cheered for him. And he cried. He probably didn't cry, but I'm pretty sure he was sad. I would cry. I didn't know that he was going to be in that movie. So I, I, I don't remember what I said, but when I saw him there, I was like, Oh my God. Like I had yeah. no idea that he was going to be in that film. That was so cool. Yeah. My, my theater went wild. Yeah. Uh, and this is also just another thing that maybe is just kind of an external factor, but I, I see a lot of people, you know, uh, on Twitter, film communities, whatnot, 
complaining that there's never any new original property movies being made. And it's always just, I'm over Marvel movies. And if you're over Marvel movies, fine. That's that's really okay. I totally understandable. I'm not going to hold a grudge against you anyway. But then how can you be excited about the Batman? And these same people are excited that they're, that that Steven Spielberg is is making something connected to Bullet. They just announced that this week. Steve McQueen's Bullet movie. They haven't said it's going to be a sequel, or remake, whatever. Like they just said, Steven Spielberg is making a project. It's like that's not original IP. Like this. Yeah. So so how how can you get excited about that and then complain about? It? It's like I'm just you say you want original new films. This doesn't look like it. I mean, yeah, that's nope. it's like the seventy fifth Batman movie. Like there's nothing I know. original like, about it. I and even look, even if it looks like the best movie in the world, it's still not even close to original IP. Yeah. I think a lot of people are, like you said, just kind of tired of Marvel movies, and it's easy to. And that's fine. That's fine. Movies. I'm a little so bit big. tired of it, and I'm a yeah. huge fanboy. <sighs> and I want to kind of touch on the villains too. It's not like there's no like I barely touch. It's not like there's no other villains available. Why? There are plenty of great villains available. First of all, they can do Bane right for once. He's been in two movies. They've both been terribly wrong. They could do a great Poison Ivy movie, and she's only in one of them, and it's obviously the worst, and she's not any good in it. They could make um, they could make a really, really, really great Calendar Man movie, and he's never been in... The only thing he's ever been in is the Suicide Squad in a cameo. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was more of a joke than anything. Like, there's plenty of really great... How, how on earth... Matt Reeves directing the Batman. How on earth does he not do Dr. Hugo Strange? Doesn't that seem like the perfect combination? And yet we're getting Riddler and Falcone and and Catwoman. Like it's just hard to get excited about this, guys. And I'm I'm sorry for being a downer, but I'm, <laughs> no, I'm over it. I'm not, I'm gonna go opening night if I can. Just kind of over it. <laughs> I have two things to add on. One, Please. I, I just started thinking about how Calendar Man was in the Suicide Squad, and I think it would have been hilarious if they would have used Sean Gunn's Calendar Man in the Batman, but a completely different tone. Why not? And that three-hour runtime, the older I get, the more that I see your movie is that long, the more annoyed I get, because I have to sit through 30 minutes of trailers already, I know, and I have yeah. to show up 10 minutes before those trailers start, just because I'm afraid of somebody taking my seat, and then they're not going to want to get out of my seat, even though it's already reserved, and i got to cause a big fuss, and i got to be in that room with that person for three and a half hours. I don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I- <laughs> yeah. I agree, uh, guys. I don't. I don't want to be. I don't want to be a downer. I promise. I'll stop. I'll stop <laughs> complaining at this point. Like, because, like, look, this again. Everything about this on paper sounds amazing, right? How, how much more excited would you be if this was Hugo Strange, or how much more exciting would you be if this was even like even Killer Croc? Like, Killer Croc's got great stories. See, that's the thing. I would be more interested, but I'm wondering if part of the reason they use such recognizable characters is because if they want to make a franchise right or and and use this robert pattinson batman again they want to make sure that this first one has enough draw to it and i just feel like casual people will be like you know they'll see like oh the riddler's gonna be here the penguin that's something i recognize you know what i mean as opposed to who is hugo strange i don't care you know what i mean and of course oh, the riddler and the penguin aren't like the most popular batman villains ever but there's like brand recognition to it i'm just thinking from the perspective of like warner brothers like putting their hands in it and being like eh, you should yeah, probably use someone popular riddler's not got the most the most like home value or whatever, like sure, recognizability. Yeah. Penguin's got it, and Catwoman for sure has got it. But Riddler's only been in the uh, at least for live action stuff. The uh, Cesar Romero 
jo- as Joker. Um, the the Adam West movie. That's the better way to describe that one. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, forever. And the uh, uh, Batman Forever, right? Um, so I mean, like, I, and I don't know. I'm I'm excited to see the take on. I'm more excited about Paul Dano as the Riddler than I am anything else on the screen. Yeah. Um, I said to watch Paul Dano, and it's great. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But um, but yeah, it's, it's just. I don't, hopefully, hopefully you're right. And Warner Brothers told him we want you to make a Batman movie, and then you have to use recognizable people. And then if that goes over well, make your sequel and have you know do do what you actually want to do, or mm-hmm. use this as an origin and get everything set up using familiar characters, and then do an actual you know something. I guess yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll go opening weekend. It, it looks competently shot. You know, obviously you can't take that away from that away from Matt Reeves. Um, it's given a lot of people great Twitter banners. That's true. That's true. <laughs> So I don't want to sound like a downer. I'm still really excited about this movie. I just can't get that excited about it. Yeah, it's it. super hype. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah. I'm, I think I'm pretty much on the same page. But like, honestly, my hype for most movies lately has just kind of been like, yeah, I'll see it in theaters. Like, that's that's as excited as I get. Sure. Like, I'll go out of my house to watch that. You know, right? Well, so, and look, especially after some of the drivel that we've gotten the last couple months. I mean, I mean, oh, Scream yeah. was great, but I haven't seen Scream yet. I was trying to think. Like, Uncharted is really underwhelming. You know, uh, like. I'm ready. I'm ready for the first like excellent movie of of March. I don't or of 2022, and I, I just don't think it's going to be the Batman. Um, we'll see. I would love, love, love to be proven wrong. Uh, so, and um, kind of along the lines of like what you said, Jeffrey, about like additional things. There's a uh, um, there was three Batman projects essentially being spun off from this. Um, at least this idea. So we have an untitled Batman spinoff that'll go to HBO Max. The the only thing about it that is known is that Colin Farrell will return as the Penguin. Um, so who knows whether it's a prequel, sequel, whatever. It's supposed to come out next year. Um, whatever. Who knows if it's supposed to be Penguin-centric or not. That's all we know. Um, there's also a new um, animated series that Matt Reeves is executive producing and I think show running. Um, and J.J. Uh, Abrams be involved in as well. And it's called uh, just Batman Caped Crusader. Um, that also comes out next year. Just the synopsis says a reimagining of the Batman mythology. Um, and there is an un- untitled HBO or Batman HBO Max project that um, has been previously referred to as Gotham PD. Um, yeah, so it's supposed that. to star Jeffrey Wright, I think, um, at in essentially be a, a, a different version of Gotham that I think is going to be less reliant on Batman villains and, you know, hopefully and, better. And hopefully less reliant. On, yes, and definitely better. <laughs> and hopefully less reliant on on Bruce Wayne and all that. So, um, like, I'm, I'll be excited about all those projects too. That's fine. Uh, but if the movie sucks, then yeah, that's such a. I mean, that's such an oversaturation, man. Because <laughs> I'm thinking about those, and then there's also like there's going to be Batman and the Flash, and then there's going to be mm-hmm. a Batgirl movie. I'm just like, do we really need <laughs> this much? Batman right, and properties? there. Was Batman a movie? Batgirl and I think I thought Batgirl was a TV show. No, Batgirl sure. is a. So it was originally going to be an HBO Max movie, uh-huh. and they was like, "Wait a minute, we got something here." So now they uh, because like uh, J.K. Simmons is coming back as Commissioner Gordon, and mm-hmm. they got Brendan Fraser playing, I think, the villain. I don't know. So they they got a lot of stuff heading on it that they changed it to into theaters. Okay. Well, and, um, well, maybe I'm just thinking there's the Ruby Rose bat. Was Ruby Rose. <laughs> was, right, was. <laughs> uh, and I don't even think that show's around anymore. It is. 
CW shows never die. Like no matter yeah. who isn't like I feel like nobody watches those anymore, but they just keep going. So going. yeah, so you've got so you've got Batwoman in there. It's 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 just a matter of time before we get introduced to a Bruce Wayne in the in the CW Arrowverse because haven't they already done Superman? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They've done them twice. So it's only a matter of time before we get a a Batman in the Arrowverse. Um, plus we have uh, yeah the 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 Batwoman movie that's coming out. All, all this other stuff. Um, the Plus Ben Affleck, yeah, right, Ben Affleck's coming back for the Flash, and mm-hmm. depending on who you ask, either he wants to come back or he doesn't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> probably just depends on the day. Um, yeah, and you potentially have more projects from this. Like you're right, it's definitely oversaturation. And again, saying that as a Marvel fanboy, like you know, I'm, I'm not trying to like. You're right, Marvel is oversaturated too. I don't want four releases every year. You know, um, plus TV shows, plus all that. You know, I'm. I, I agree with you. I agree with the math. Yes, Eternals was kind of not great. You know, yes, Black Widow was very mediocre, right? But Shang-Chi was great. Anyway, um, all right. I got I to gotta stop talking about this. <laughs> Any other thoughts that you guys have? Any Anything? I would love to end on a positive note. Any other things that you guys have to say about the Batman before we move on? I'm excited to watch it. The Batmobile looks cool. That's That's what I got. The Batmobile does look really cool. Really I, know, I, I know I jokingly called it a DeLorean with tin sheets on it, but like... <laughs> It looks awesome. Yeah, I love it. It looks like a very realistic Batman. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. If there isn't an update next week for Arkham Knight where you're not able to get that costume and that Batmobile, I'm going to riot. I wonder if they're just going to save it for Gotham Knights at this point. <sighs> Whenever that game comes. One day. Uh, okay. Oof. Real quick, before we move on, um, gotta get a quick quick shout out to Patreon. Patreon now exists for the Sip Pop Writers Room podcast. You can check it out at patreon.com sippopwr. Three tiers you can sign up for at $5 a month gets you early access to these episodes. You can get them Tuesday instead of Wednesday. That's uh, American time uh, since I know we have international writers and listeners. Um, so whatever it is, you can get it 12 to 24 hours in advance depending on when it goes live. Um uh, you all, uh, and then uh, you also get um, at the ten dollar uh, tier and up, you get an opportunity to um, uh, get an exclusive review. So there was uh, Death on the Nile was an exclusive review from last month, and Scream was an exclusive review from the month before that. You can have access to both of those still, even if you sign up in March or whenever. Uh, and then the twenty dollar tier is you get you get to, to tell me with something anything that you want me to check out and I'll do that and get you a review. And turns out I can't personalize. So you get access to all the other things that the people get dollar a month level are requesting. So pan's labyrinth is among those that are available. So I finally watched, uh, so patreon.com slash pop WR. If you're interested in checking that out, um, and that's your quick plug. It looks as if, uh, turning red is going to be the Patreon exclusive. So that'll be, fun. uh, Okay. Let's talk about Scooby Doo the movie. Uh, Jeffrey, I'm gonna. I'm, you requested. Uh, you were the first person to request, and then Alex was like, "Yeah, let's just do both of them." Mm-hmm. Um, so, what what about Scooby Doo the movie made you kind of want? Well, first of all, what's your history with it, and then what made you pick? Yeah, let's talk about Scooby Doo. Yeah. So, since our topic was just on something nostalgic, I thought that was just perfect for me because I used to watch those all the time as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I had family friends that had both of those DVDs and then also it was just on Cartoon Network all the time. And so um, just I had a lot of memories associated with with those two movies. Um, that was the main. I'm pretty sure I had the VHS like I'm thinking about because this was mm-hmm. came out kind of on the cusp of the two of them. Yeah, yeah. And I can't remember a, having a DVD case for it, but I know we had it because I watched it all the time. So, um, so just kind of it, it fits perfectly and you were like, oh, there's that. Let's do that. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. 
All right. Uh, and you've how many times would you say you've seen both of them? And when's the last time that you've seen either of them? I really don't. I, I wasn't keeping count as a kid. It was a lot. Sure. <laughs> it was a lot. And uh, but I I haven't seen before now. I haven't seen them since like since I was a kid. Like I have never gone back to them until now. Like ten years, fifteen years. Yeah, probably. This, like 10. The first first one is a twenty year old movie at this point. Yeah, probably like ten years. All right. Very long time. Alex, let's hear your history on the Scooby Doo movies and uh, uh, when yeah, when's the last time you seen them? All that, all the questions yeah. I just asked him. Yeah, uh, I definitely had that VHS tape as a little child. Uh, I definitely remember a lot about that movie because uh, because I'd rewind it to the point where you'd have to watch the previews, and I was, or at least whoever rewound it for because I was like, it came out like what when I was like three or whatever, so. I obviously wasn't in control of that part, but I remember always having to watch those previews before it started. So you'd get like the little, you know, action figure commercials of Scooby-Doo and stuff that had nothing to do with the movie, but because it had the name on it, you know, they'd be able to sell it. And then, uh, I've definitely got some hours out of that tape. Mm -hmm. And then I think, uh, the last time I watched it was at least uh, middle schoolish era. So about less than 10 years ago. And that's it. And same with that second movie. They kind of just, existed together yeah. yeah um i remember i've i know i saw the second one in theaters i'm not sure if we saw the first one in theaters or not but i yeah I've, I've probably seen each of these movies at least 20 times um none of those times have been any time in the last yet yeah, let's we'll say 10 years um pro- probably closer to like 15 i guess i don't know like uh, it's weird because like 10 years ago now i was oh my god nine years ago now i was starting to college that's that's awful uh, to think about. Um, so it's like I definitely haven't seen these since college, uh, yeah. but I can't. I can't imagine I saw these in high school years. So um, yeah, uh, we'll say we'll say twelve years at least, just to be on the safe side. Um, but yeah, I used to watch. I used, the VHS and the DVD definitely definitely got a lot of work into them. So um, and I remember really liking them as a kid. So yeah, me too. It was also that. Uh, obviously, if I watch some things, I really like. Scooby Doo uh, the movie. Um, after an acrimonious breakup, the Mystery Ink Gang are individually brought to an island resort to investigate strange, strange goings, going ons. Stars, uh, most notably in this movie, Matthew Lillard is Shaggy, Freddie Prince Jr. is Fred, Sarah Michelle Gellar is Daphne, Linda Cardellini is Velma, Rowan Atkinson as Emil Monaverius, and Isla Fisher as Mary Jane. That's a pretty pretty great top six that has aged very well. Very well, yeah. I mean, Fr- Freddie Prince Jr. hasn't really done any, but at least that I can recall. But. He's playing a lot of Xbox on Twitter, apparently. He's doing <laughs> okay. stuff. But, like, this is – Sarah Michelle Gellar was doing Buffy at the time. Linda Carlini had oh, yeah. done Freaks and Geeks. Now she's MCU, kind of barely in it. <laughs> uh, Isla Fisher for sure has taken off. Uh, I guess – I don't know. Matthew Lillard hasn't done anything. Like, he's done things, but, like, nothing as iconic as this or Scream. Yeah. So – um let's see uh craig tilly story for this movie and uh james gunn writing the screenplay that was a really fun thing to find out a couple of years oh, yeah. ago um and raja gonsal um uh, directing uh let's see never been kissed big mama's house oh big mama's house man that would work totally for for these nostalgia movies <laughs> don't worry guys he did the smurfs and the smurfs too uh and beverly hills chihuahua so he's got some good stuff in his filmography yes three classics uh, uh, yours, mine, and ours. Uh, Home Alone three. Oh man, yes, oh, <laughs> I, I champion that movie. Um, Same. 
I've seen most of his filmography. Yeah, I've seen, I went through his, through his filmography too when I was watching the movie, and I was like, "Wow, this guy is like kind of like a prolific director, but not of good movies, but like like that's a lot of movies that I've seen, to be honest." Look, Home Alone three is not a good movie, but I love it. Um, and Big Mama's House again. I, I I I'm not sure it's good, but I remember loving it, and be very interested to revisit that because uh, I remember loving it. And a senior is my hours, and that's that's about. It. I haven't seen any. I haven't seen any of them since. Thank God. So, um, so there's the ones that he directed. Uh, yeah, biggest surprise here being James Gunn writing the screenplay um, back in his formative. I think at this point he had only done um, was it Tromeo film, uh, which I've heard of but I've never seen. Uh, yeah, Tromeo and Juliet. Um, he had done a little bit of like specials, but yeah, this is his. This is before Slither. This is before Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, this is definitely before he he hits it big. Anyway, we we watched. We'll, we'll we'll talk about just Scooby Doo one. This will be really hard to kind of distinguish the two of them, but we'll just talk about the first one for a little bit. I'll keep us on track. All right, uh, Jeffrey. Since you picked Scooby Doo, let's start with you. Did you like it, love it, hate it, dislike it, or think it's just okay? I really don't. <laughs> I don't know how to feel about both <laughs> of these films, but since we'll stick with the first one. Um, but I got it. The statement I'm going to make is going to refer to both of them. These movies are like unhinged. Like I don't remember them. <laughs> These movies are kind of demented, and I, and I love it for that. But like I do not remember these movies. Like in my head as a kid, it all made so much more sense. And I'm watching this now, and I'm just like, one, there's no way today James Gunn would be allowed to make a Scooby Doo like this. The, the studios would be like, what is this? What are you? What? Is, no, we're not doing this. Most of the jokes I don't in there. See it, though. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the jokes in there are just like, like I was watching the first one. I was like, this doesn't feel like a Scooby-Doo movie. It feels like a parody of scooby which I enjoyed. But I was like, in my in my mind as a kid, like this is kind of more of a straight up adaptation. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a really interesting. <laughs> yeah, the first one feels a little bit kind of like a parody. And the second one feels kind of like homages to the cartoon. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um. So do you have like an official like it, love it, hate it, dislike it? Like where like obviously unhinged is your word to describe it, but kind of like where was your enjoyment level in this movie? Like because unhinged you could be unhinged in a complete bad way or a complete sure. good way. I think I enjoyed it. I'm not sure how much I would have enjoyed it if I didn't um, watch them before as a kid. Like I don't know how much that's a nostalgic factor. Um, I don't think it's good. <laughs> I'm gonna be real. I don't think <laughs> I don't think it's a good movie at all. But. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I, I think that's exactly where I land. Um, I'm going to go firmly and like it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think I would be anywhere near that high if I'd never seen this movie before. Exactly. Um, yeah. I don't know though. Although I did watch this with my wife who has very little Scooby-Doo in general history. And she was laughing a lot. And she was like, this is, this is bad, but I'm enjoying myself. A- Alex, like it, love it, hated this. Like I think it's just okay. I disliked it. Oh, that's completely fair. That's, I think that's a normal human response to watching this. Like, it's so 2002. Like I wasn't in 2002, but I mean, I was, but I don't remember anything about 2002. But this feels too 2002. Very much. Very that's much. fair, especially the soundtrack. Which yeah. oh, the soundtrack. <laughs> oh, oh, the soundtrack and the score. I wrote. I I genuinely don't know if I like the music or that it's pure nostalgia. Um, I don't know. But like it's for sure, like the movie's going, and I'm like, oh yeah, like you know, I, like the, the the score bit. I think the score is actually really good um, in in the first one. Mm-hmm. But like, definitely all the like the the songs that James Gunn or that I, I doubt he picked. Um, <laughs> but the songs <laughs> on the soundtrack, that's just like I don't know. Maybe, maybe 2002 is just a sweet spot, especially because this is like 2002 alternative, which yeah, like mid 2000s 
alternative is like my favorite music ever. So, uh, like really early Foo Fighters, like, um, you know, like when Nirvana was kind of making a resurgence again, Mm -hmm. you know, back into like, you know, they had obviously not been making music for a couple of years, but the people were just like, yeah, like that's fine. We'll just play all of it over and over. You know, like like that's, that's my jam. Um, so yeah. Um, all right. Let's, uh, I I think I liked it the most out of us then. So I'll kick us off with the positives. Um, looking at my, looking at my notes, I'm not, I'm not sure where I want to start. Um, I think I want to start with, there's a lot of really good humor in this movie. As a kid, I remember laughing a lot because of the silly things. I remember the scene where Scooby and Shaggy are on the t- the brainwashing set or whatever they're watching, or it's it's cut intercut between the brainwashing thing and they're in like a kitchen. There's a they're having a fart contest or a burp contest, and as a kid, I ate that up. And watching it as an adult, I'm like, oh, it's a fart joke. But I laughed a lot at some of the jokes. That I would not have gotten as a kid, like because they because uh, when uh, I, I wrote down some of them because they have the where Shaggy and Scooby are kind of hanging out after they break up and the person comes up to the to the van to try to convince them to go and they're like we don't go anywhere that has spooky forbidden haunted you know da 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 in the title and Scooby goes or hydrocolonic and it's like yeah or hydrocolonic but that's for a totally different reason man I'm like that's a really funny joke <laughs> that I would have not gotten as a seven year old you know mm-hmm. so. Uh, there's there's a lot of really decent humor in, and there's a lot of stuff that works well for both kids and adults like uh like the scene where somebody calls uh for scooby-doo and then they're like don't you, like uh you mean melvin do and then like that comes back later they're like scooby you mean you mean melvin do don't you and they're like uh and then they're like you know tell the this, got a stack of hamburgers for you out here in the middle and then it's just him like, like it's like yeah i love this this is my kind of stuff so Oh, also, let's not let's not go over the fact that the girl that Shaggy falls for is literally named Mary Jane. Yeah, <laughs> you know what's funny? I remember as a kid, like I don't know what it was, but something about that. I was like, this is a reference to something that I will not understand. So, like, I remember thinking that, like, this this means something. Like, I had no clue. My first thought was like Spider Man, and then like I was like, no, that's not it. And now I'm older, and I'm like, ah, that's what I was feeling. <laughs> now I know. Got it. Got yeah. it. Sha- Shaggy loves pot. Yep. All right. Yep. <laughs> So referring to that, uh, I'm waiting until later to get into some juicy trivia, but for just a second. So back around to, you know, very obvious jokes that they wanted to point Shaggy to being, you know, a stoner. Mm -hmm. Uh, This movie, when they were, you know, originally in the development process, they wanted it to actually have a more adult themed PG-13 rating. But throughout the process got changed down to where they wanted it to be more family friendly. So some of the stuff... They sort of just reworked into it, and that's another thing. And Mm -hmm. it kind of works well because there's a possibility that that van scene where the smoke is coming out of the roof was originally intended to be that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And then they just was like, you know what? Let's just reshoot the interior where there's just cooking burgers. Mm It was, um, it's, it's pretty much folklore at this point, but it was really like rumored and talked about a lot that James Gunn wrote a rated R screenplay for this. Yeah. yeah. And, and he debunked it on Twitter laying, later yeah. saying, I wrote a PG 13 screenplay. Our first cut to the MPAA got a rated R rating. We had to CGI in some clothes to cover up some cleavage. <laughs> so yeah, I'm excited for these like little bits of trivia peppered in here. Um, uh, oh, here's here's a fun note. I wrote um, my second overall note ever. The CGI is pretty decent for 2003. And then two minutes later, I wrote, I guess it just applies to Scooby. 
Because, like, uh, <laughs> Scooby looks fine. Those aliens look atrocious. They're not, they're not great. Um, I guess not aliens, the monsters. Whatever they are. I have a lot of, I don't even, I didn't understand a lot of the fun. The first one, I'm not going to lie. I don't know where those <laughs> monsters came from. Like, I was like, did I miss something? Like, it's for, it's, They're from the ancient ritual, from the, the triangle, the Damon Ritus. Of course. <laughs> and the right. and and the bald guy was and and the 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 wrestler and Scrappy Doo were all teaming up to to bring those people. So it was an ancient ritual, but which ancient ritual from where? You know when? Like you're right, none of those are answered. <laughs> yeah, you know, plot's got a plot, right? Uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm, it was one of those. I, I remember thinking, like, yeah, I don't, I don't know that I ever necessarily understood the story as a kid. See, but I thought it's, I did. It's kind, it's kind of hard to follow as an yeah. adult too. Yeah, I thought I did as, as a kid. I was like, yeah, this this all makes sense. Like, <laughs> this, yeah, yeah. this tracks. Now I'm like, none of this makes any sense. This I, don't know, I think I got there this year. I think <laughs> I understand this movie more than I ever have. So, uh, Alex, what's the next thing you got for us? Oh, I, I was just gonna say it did make me appreciate uh, the CGI for Scooby, not because it's great, but because they didn't have like a stand-in or anything or no like thing on a stick. Yeah. Apparently, behind the scenes, they just like just do your best to imagine there's a dog there, and we're gonna do our best to animate in that line of eyesight, you know, and just hope it works. And for the most part, even though it clearly didn't hold up as well, it considering that it's kind of a miracle. Well, and here's the thing about this. Uh, I think everybody in this movie is great, acting-wise. Oh, yeah. Agreed, 100%. The only weak link might be Fred, but I wouldn't call him a weakling. I would just say he's not the best. He's not the best. I, I think, uh, for me, I think it's it's hard to play Fred. Fred is just such a boring character. Like, <laughs> there's only so much that Freddie Prince Jr. could do to really bring life to that. That's Even true. within the, the script, like, there wasn't... Like, there was some, like, Fred jokes throughout both of the movies, but, like, he's just kind of, like, the leader guy. Like, he doesn't really have a, a personality. That's true. Yeah. He wears ascots. That's his personality. He wears trait. ascots. What were you going like, Alex? Oh, I was like, oh, yeah, he's, like, the Captain America of the group. Like, yeah. you like him, but, like, does he have a personality? <laughs> Fair. Yeah, uh, no, I think everybody was great, and I, I brought up that point just to be like, look, let's get out of the out of the way. The two, the two standouts of this movie are Linda Cardellini as Velma, um, and Matthew Lillard as Shaggy. And it just goes to show that Matthew Lillard is, Lillard is putting in extra work because he's working with an entirely CG thing. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're completely adding Scooby-Doo later. So especially the scenes where he has to interact with them, it's like, it must have been the most, uh, it must be the most awkward footage ever to have just Matthew Lillard's pre-CG like like film reel like that that's got to be a lot of like just really awkward him making weird poses and weird <laughs> weird gestures and yeah, all that like dancing and like and having one-sided conversations yeah <laughs> yeah um no he's 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 really terrific and yeah it, go, it just it just goes to show that like I, I wonder if anybody else in that role does as good you know no i think that's honestly i think the saving grace of, of these films is the cast I think if anybody, yeah. like, I think if the, the casting was wrong, I think it's perfect. And I think if it wasn't perfect, these movies would be absolutely abhorrent. Like, I would hate them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's that's why them. they made, like, a straight-to-Cartoon Network TV movie, like, in, like, the late 2000s, early aughts. Um, and, like, there's a reason that that one is 
pretty universally hated is well i mean obviously production value is a lot lower but it's like it's not the cast like so um but yeah i think you can tell that the the standouts are velma and shaggy and that definitely still holds up but it's like but they kind of give themselves most most to their characters like they're definitely zoned in on who they're playing yeah uh a couple of notes that i had was Sugar Ray Spice is just kind of here for some reason. Mm-hmm. Same with Pamela Anderson. The very first note I wrote was Pamela Anderson is driving the mystery machine into an active crime scene. <laughs> it don't make no sense. And she apparently has a thing with Fred, but also not, but also does. Uh, <laughs> you can say, I don't know. <laughs> Don't you dare, don't you dare bad talk that Sugar Ray cameo. <laughs> oh no, I was just like, he's just kind of here. Yeah. There's a way to just incorporate a little bit of the soundtrack, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And uh, there are so many renditions of the Scooby-Doo theme in this movie. Like, w- way, way too many. I have to be like, well, it's okay, two is fine, three is enough. I stopped counting after three and they just did it about <laughs> seven more times. That's fair. That's fair. Although one specifically I remembered um, near the end of the movie, and it was the sa- they used the same track for the end of the second movie as well. Um, but it it starts off, and I swear they started playing Bad Reputation, and it wasn't, and it was the Scooby Doo theme, and I was like, oh, oh yeah, like because it has the exact same intro, and uh, I was like, oh okay, that I, w- I, I kind of want you to play Bad Reputation now. It's <laughs> <laughs> a weird curveball. Right. And the final note that I have is technically monsters now exist in the Scooby-Doo universe. They have though. Well, they always were alluded to, but then always revealed, oh, this old man, this, or, you know, at least Mm. within, if you're following like that canon of what the show was up and and then they were just like, nah, it's just like supernatural and stuff. Well, okay. There's... I was thinking about this as we were going. I'm trying to find. Let's think about this as we're going. I guess it depends on what you want to consider canon, right? Because for the most part, That's if it's fair. just the original show, you're right. Monster, real monsters are kind of more so alluded. Yeah. But even before this movie comes out, we have Scooby Doo on Zombie Island, which is legitimate real yeah, zombies. That one I remember was real zombies. Yeah. Scooby Doo and the Alien Invasion, Alien Invaders, which is legitimately real aliens. Yeah, that um, was weird because they, they were fake aliens, and then like there's. At the end, they're like, no, actually, they were real. <laughs> like, it was weird. Right. <laughs> it's so okay. strange. Uh, and then they, like, this is, I was just trying to think of the ones from my childhood. Um, Scooby-Doo and the Reluctant Werewolf in 1998, or 1988 one, has has legitimate werewolves, legitimate mummies, legitimate Dracula. Like, n- none of these people are men in masks. They're, so like, uh. I was, but again, if we're talking just the original show as as the only canon thing, then you're right. They're alluded to, but they're not said. But I'm like, this isn't really like out of the realm, though, of Scooby-Doo to have real. Yeah. Um, it's not almost... out of the realm, but I do feel like it's weird how much it, in the in the film, it feels like they're not even surprised with the fact they're dealing with real monsters, which is I find kind of strange. It was yeah. really fun to watch them like figure that out because like this is a very like experienced mystery gang and so that moment where they're like it's just a man in a mask and like they're all trying to like rip it rip the the a mask off of one of the monsters like that was a really fun sequence to watch um to watch them realize like oh like this should be a mask it should be coming off but it's not I just, I almost wish that that would have been more along the lines of like a second movie, you know, and just have, have the first movie kind of be like your, your simple, like, 
legitimately kind of paying homage to Scooby-Doo. Everything is a man in a mask, especially because both of these aren't a man in a mask. I mean, I guess in the second one, there is a man in a mask controlling everything, but both of these are very real monsters. And it's like, it's, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they think they did, they did it well enough by having the Luna ghost at the very beginning with, uh, um, you'll be a man in a mask and maybe, and again, this is a very experienced crew. It's a, it feels like a sequel to a lot of Scooby. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, so, I mean, I guess, but it did kind of make me be like, what would a live action Scooby-Doo movie about them with a man in a mask be, you know? Yeah. And originally the Luna ghost was supposed to be the plot and then they changed it or something like that. So they just made it the intro. Yeah. I kind of want to see like that cast, but doing like a more straightforward like yeah. Scooby-Doo thing. Um, it's weird how they started off the movie. Like this is probably the only movie I've seen, which is almost like, like an anti-origin like not anti-origin but it's it's weird because it starts at the end like it starts with them yeah. splitting up and breaking up um uh, mm-hmm. which is very interesting because nowadays if there was a movie like this they'd probably start them off like all separate and they come together at the end the mystery inc origin right um, so i thought that was an interesting choice yeah i think it worked though yeah i think it worked, I think it worked. They, I think they, it worked they do they do enough things to write it into their screenplays and it was really interesting to see these characters that Let's be honest. I love the original Scooby-Doo cartoon, but they're relatively one-note, two-dimensional oh, yeah. characters. Um, not relatively. They're very one-dimensional, <laughs> um, you know, cardboard cutouts of people. Um, but so it was kind of interesting to see them like, what do each of them have to prove to themselves? You know, um, Daphne has to prove that she's not just the damsel in distress because she literally always has been. Velma has to prove that, you know, she is worth that she doesn't have to deal with other people taking credit for her work. Um, Shaggy and Scooby is, they don't really have much character growth, but you don't really expect that from them. I mean, other than just like, they are really the glue to the team, Um, which we already do. Yeah. And Fred's trying to, I don't know, prove, I guess his motivation is he's trying to prove everybody else wrong. Yeah, he's trying uh, to prove that he's like a competent leader or something. He really is trying to prove his ego. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What was the name of that book? I remember I I found whatever his book name was really funny, and now I can't remember. But in the beginning, he had wrote, he he had written a book, and he was showing it to people, and it was like a picture. It was like a picture of his face. And on the plane, he was reading his own book, which I found really funny. Uh, Let's see. (laughs) This... (laughs) I just Googled it to see if I could find it. Uh, Reddit.com, uh, the movie details, Reddit. Um, in Scooby-Doo, Fred is reading his own book because he's full of himself and he had a ghost writer. Uh, <laughs> That's good. That's good. I like that. It's, it's called Fred on Fred. So I had this note. Because as soon as they set up the plot, I was like, hold on. I literally paused the movie, turned to my wife, and I said, hold on. Let me get this straight. Spooky Island. First of all, something is named Spooky Island. Second of all, you need to take a plane and a boat to get to it. And it feels like a place that is all-inclusive. And I was, and I said, maybe no alcohol. But then there, later there was a sign that said, under 21, or no ID, no, no service, whatever. And it caters... What seems exclusive to college students, like, because the whole thing is kind of catered to a college student experience and like, they kind of try to play it off as like, oh yeah, it's like summer vacation. So all these are coming, but like, this looks like year round. This is a college student place. I don't know any college students that want to go party somewhere named Spooky Island. First of all, second of all, I don't know any of them that could afford 
to take airfare and a boat plus all the lodging to get there. And, like, how are there not, like, there's no way they have an age limit say here. How are there not also old people and young families here? Like, how how on earth? I know I'm trying to make logic out of a Scooby-Doo movie, <laughs> but, like, in what universe is this a sustainable business model? Yeah, it looks like a place that would only be uh, financially stable during spring break and no other time. Or cater it during you know to college students during spring break and then make it a family yeah, friendly yeah, yeah. resort for the rest of the for the rest of the time. But they made it pretty clear, like because they say like the college students have been coming in and out and they're never this. It's like the, every time they refer to people, the guests at the park, it's not guests, it's the the students, the college. Yeah, students. Like, yeah, it's true. It's like this is not like you. Scrappy Doo is. Well, I guess not Scrappy because Monoverius actually did start. He's like, he's a bad business leader. He's going to be bankrupt. And he, <laughs> but everybody's going to it. And why? And what's weird is the, the the actual gang is like, they're not like old, but they're definitely older than college age. They're like maybe like mid-20s. So they're like the oldest people on the island. So you're just there wondering like, why are, I mean, obviously they're like Scrappy's there, but it's just a little odd for them to just be surrounded by people that are younger than them. I mean, there's, the there's the staff. So Yeah, that's true. There's the staff. But, but yeah, of- and it, yeah, it. I don't know. At least they gave the rationale for why everybody's going to be there. But yeah, there's mm-hmm. no like, there's no like people walking around being like, oh, look at that old guy. He's so old. He's 24, and like, kind of does happen in real life. <laughs> <laughs> um, and here was the thing that I was most afraid about: when things take a real turn and there's the reveal of Scrappy Doo. I was afraid I was going to hate this movie, and it's ridiculous and it's bad, but it didn't ruin the movie for me. Like the whole final act is is not good. But it didn't kill my experience, so... No, I don't think it made it any worse. <laughs> I think it was just, yeah, same way. I was, I was really enjoying it, and really on par with it, until the final act with the sacrifice and the souls and all that. Cults. Like, right, the, yeah. Yep. Yeah. The all fact that, that they get their souls sucked out in this movie is <laughs> just insane. Like, what is going on? That was a point where I was like, I remember this as a kid, but I never thought yeah. about, like... Their, their souls just got sucked out. And then when they're in, like, the well, they're just kind of, like, casual about it. They're just like, Shaggy, get me out of here. And I'm just like, you guys aren't, like, shocked that you guys are floating souls now? You're just kind of, like, chilling with this? Just, it wasn't the soul. It was the protoplasm. protoplasm. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Vilma just, said that uh, as if she had had her protoplasm sucked out of her body before. She was like, oh, oh this again. We're protoplasm. Just I'm convinced like after watching these movies that Velma is the smartest person that has ever lived because <laughs> because she immediately is just like, oh no, I'm a protoplasmic head. And it's like, what is the word? Like, you know, like, how do you know that? And like, how do you know that that's what defines you and all? And, and then like, she studies the triangle for like three and a half seconds. And then the, the, the love interest for her comes up. And then uh, she's like, what do you got there? He's like, I think it's called the Damon Ritus. It's like, you've looked at that thing for four seconds. Yeah. How do you know what it's called? <laughs> Especially, it's an ancient language. And I get that you say you can make out some of it. you got to, like, have a memory. <laughs> like Velma is the smartest person to have ever lived in these. She's really so. the backbone of Mystery Inc. in, this, in, this, in these both. I mean, she does all the heavy lifting. Yeah, Fred's just kind of there. Like, honestly, she, she does most of the work. I did like yeah. in the in the well of souls scene. I, I found funny when Shaggy was like picking up the heads, and he picked up a random person and just put him back. He's like, "Sorry, I'm looking for my friends." So I was like, "Why don't you just let all these people free?" He right. only picked up Mystery Inc. and just left everybody else in the well. I was like, "Wow." Yeah, like how, how about how about Scooby Doo Three is is a sequel of that guy that is trying to just hunt down Shaggy. <laughs> 
even though they saved the world and eventually saved him they're like you didn't save me when you had a chance you picked me up and instead of letting (laughs) me go you just it's like i could have helped you i could have gotten out so um uh the other thing to note it's something i noticed kind of watching him as an adult now Uh, this is this is only my last note um i love how the costume design adapts for the situation um and this is true for both movies but in the cartoon, they all wear the same thing every day. They even make jokes about it um, in, in some of the ones where, like, Shaggy goes to his wardrobe and it's just a closet full of green V-necks and khaki pants. Uh, like, it's all the same outfit all the time. But I liked how, like, you would see um, it wasn't – Daphne wasn't always just in, you know, a purple top, a green ascot, and a purple skirt. Like, sometimes she had high boots. Sometimes she had – like really low heels, you know, cause she was like trying to do like, sometimes she was wearing like a jumpsuit because like she was wearing a jumpsuit during the fight. Cause like, that's a lot more practical than a skirt. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and you could also just say it was, you know, a, an easier way to avoid getting a PG 13 rating or an R rating or whatever. But like, you know, it's just like it, the, the costumes practically matched the setting of what they were doing. Which Shaggy, Shaggy's always in the V-neck, but at least everybody else's little details like that, that I noticed as an adult that, didn't necessarily enhance my experience, but kind of gave me assurance that people were actually thinking about this movie when they made it. Yeah. So. <laughs> Any other notes on the first one? Or are we ready to move on to Alex's trivia section? I've got nothing else really other than that trivia. Well, let's hear it. All right. So uh, there was talks that Velma and Daphne had a scrapped more than friends relationship early in mm-hmm. development. Due to, but, you know, it got scrapped due to Warner Brothers being like, eh, this is friendly, friendly. And we're not at that time yet. And, yeah, sure. You're not the time yeah you just don't want to <laughs> and then right. uh this isn't like this is the 60s well I mean, it's bad. you know yeah this is 2002 come on yeah and then uh it turns out that freddie prince jr ended up shaving his head because after he bleached his hair it wouldn't go back to its natural color and he needed to film for new roles so he just went ahead and shaved mm-hmm. and in the second movie he just went all wig <laughs> it's noticeable really? i i did not notice that but <laughs> that's probably just because i was like I was still kind of in awe of, of the second movie too. We'll get to. Yeah. yeah. And the final one, like we kind of technically went over it, but it was the whole, it ended up accidentally getting the R rating. Then they had to CGI over cleavage, which I was not expecting. Like it, they, they just exist on women. They're there. But I was like, not ex- expecting that much for a Scooby-Doo. How, <laughs> Especially how much cleavage was there that it got it from a pg to an r that's what i'm saying like i've never seen a movie where it's a rated r because of cleavage like that's very odd maybe it was too see-through i don't know i don't know that's this is my best guess Uh, but uh that james gunn knows the answer so james (laughs) since obviously you're listening uh of course yeah uh tweet tweet out the story we would love to hear so and uh that does it for alex's trivia hour on the hour but not really an hour <laughs> nice uh, i would just add um that in the original draft velma was openly gay as well so yeah kind of along along the same line um so that was one of the things that i thought was like nice um so uh all right scooby-doo 2 monsters unleashed we already talked about our history because these are kind of lumped together um jeffrey since you went first last time alex scooby-doo 2 monsters unleash watching it in 2022 did you like it love it hate it dislike it or think it's just okay i surprisingly really liked it oh that makes me so happy because i thought you were gonna just like keep on declining and not have it <laughs> nope i really okay like very nice jeffrey where do you land on this one uh i pretty much feel the same way as i did about the first one honestly the second one i think is even more unhinged <laughs> honestly 
I think it. I don't. I don't know. I there's no cult in the second one. <laughs> there's no cult, but the way the the scenes are like just the flow of it is just really weird to me. I don't know how to explain it. It's just kind of like jumps from scene to scene, and it's just like mm-hmm. unrelentingly intense like it's, it's it's the sequel thing of like now every scene has to be like a big cgi spectacle um yeah. as opposed to the first one where it kind of had a little bit more downtime sometimes this one is just kind of like all go 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 yes yes yeah. absolutely Ooh. it was one of those things kind of like you say like jumping from scene to scene i noticed when um when fred daphne and velma are are gonna go to the old mine because they got the clue about the the green footprints or whatever. They uh, they have the they they have to drive through downtown past the museum that conveniently just got broken into and the rest of the costume stolen. Yeah. It's like whoever designed Coolsville needs to be fired because if you're <laughs> if you were in the city and to get to old Coolsville mining like how do you have to go through downtown to get there? That's a either that or Fred is just a terrible navigator. So the second one is um, very possible. Fred that's the, probably. Um, all right. So I'm gonna like it a little bit. Hated dislike. I think it's just okay scale. I'm gonna land on it's just okay for this one. I liked the first one uh, a little bit more. Um, I'll, I'll even go high sided. Just okay. It's just uh, there's a. I think some of the moments stand out a little bit better. Some of the like lovable moments are in the mm-hmm. second one, but ultimately you're right. It's just kind of a, here's a scene. Now here's another scene. Now here's another scene. And I don't really know kind of, I don't, I don't think the Velma and um, Seth Green thing landed as well as they want it to. And the monster reveal is way out there. <laughs> and uh, so um yeah, lot, lots of things about it that I, I think I preferred the second one as a kid. Um, and now I think, so. I think I did too. Yeah. The first one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Alex, you liked it the most. Come on, tell us a little bit about uh, what's great about this one. Okay, so something you guys said is that like this movie is all more go, go, go. I felt the opposite, actually. Ooh. For some reason, when they decided to slow down for the brief periods to talk, it landed more for me because that first movie, as we discussed, felt more almost like a parody of Scooby-Doo while being Scooby-Doo at the same time, which isn't a bad thing. It's just for me, that's not what I wanted out of a you know live action adaptation of Scooby-Doo. No, I already got it. <laughs> but uh, moving on to this one, because I definitely hadn't seen either of these in quite some time. Uh, there's a couple of moments where they just kind of slow down and talk and they finally, in my eyes, feel like actual friends that have a history because mm. like we said i got more of a parody because there was the, the flashback movie. sequence of them throwing a frisbee <laughs> actually no uh just just them all just slowing down and uh like you got those moments with uh shaggy and scooby where they're like we're kind of tired of being screw-ups around here mm-hmm. you know that that was a uh, pretty i mean i thought it was developed nicely that that was my favorite part of this movie. Yeah. And uh, and just more or less... So they kind of just jump right into it with Fred and uh, Daphne just being a thing. Which I'm fine with because, I mean, like, this, that kind of just makes sense, right? Yeah. I, th- I mean, it's always heavily implied, but... Yeah. And, and practically confirmed, but I guess just not. And my my the most that I can say without... Because I really don't have a problem with it is like, yeah, that, that feels natural. Go for yeah. it. Sure. And also, while I'm at it, uh, the thing that I just really appreciated here is that I think this movie does a perfect job at blending the campiness of Scooby-Doo with just a natural tone. 
Because like I said, we got a lot of these fun character moments. And then we got a lot of the, again, that first movie, a lot of parody. But here, just Mm -hmm. the campiness just really landed. So that's why I just ended up really like. I think I think you're right. They get a lot of the like campiness right, like pretty frequent throughout the movie. Like the the scene where they like ring the doorbell and they get kind of caught. And then they're like exploring throughout the house. And then like uh, anytime that they have like. I agree with you. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I'll just end it at that. The, my, my favorite part of this movie is the Shaggy and Scooby thing because there's a real kind of like depth to these characters that have never had any um, for them sure, to yeah. finally be like, we're screw ups and we're recognizing that. But like they've never recognized it before. Um, it's always been true. And their screw ups wind up eventually working out well in the end. You know, they cause the plan to go awry, but they always still catch the guy. Uh, or girl, you know, whatever. They always catch the bad person. Um, Technically, it was a guy. It was a guy portraying a girl, portraying a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever, whatever that mask thing was supposed to be. Yeah. Um, so, like, I, I don't know. It, it, but it was also, like, super charming because of who these characters are. You know, mm-hmm. it's, 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 and, and Scooby and Shaggy are the most lovable, like, easy, easy, everybody loves them. Um, so it wasn't even, like, uh, um, like when, um, if, if, if they were to try to do that with, let's say, uh, Velma this time, like it just wouldn't have worked quite as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Jeffrey, what are your kind of, what's the next thing you want to talk about? Uh, I, I, I want to note that this, at the very beginning of this film, has the favorite, my favorite joke out of any of these movies, where Shaggy is walking through the red carpet and he smells the smoke from the weed, and that's how he recognizes his fans. He sniffs the air, and he goes, and smoke wafts through, and he's like, oh, and that's how he recognizes oh his fans. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. That was so funny. That was good. Yeah. I think yeah. Oh, yeah. the humor, I, I think you were right, the campiness does work a, a lot better in this film. Um, I just, I think it's just, kind of aggressive with it like i liked it and then like eventually i was like all right <laughs> i've got a little bit tired of it as so, it went on here's here's ultimately ultimately my thing i think this this is probably a better made movie than the first one it i just yeah. didn't have as good of a time like the first one is just it, it's first prime first thing is to charm and delight you and to make you laugh and the everything about the story is secondary in this one the story is primary and then the charm and the make you laugh is hopefully we can work that into it. So it's just not quite as fun as the first movie. That's that's really my biggest takeaway. Is like they're probably you know both pretty mediocre movies, but one of them just kind of hits me a little bit better. And like I said, I think there's a lot of really fun little jokes in the first movie that are really consistently throughout that like really make like there's always a scene where you it will make you put a smile on your face. And this one just didn't quite have that. But when it did make me smile or laugh, like it really made me smile or laugh. Like uh, the scene where Shaggy and Scooby decide to be real and then they go and they're searching around at the the house and Scooby finds this safe that says, warning, do not open or whatever. He's like, look, a clue. And he pulls out some sunglasses and then <laughs> kind of same same thing. Is, uh, you know, and he's just, and he, he finds the pair of underwear. He's like, a clue. Like, <laughs> And then he goes like the Shaggy drops all these things on the ground. He's like clues. <laughs> it's like these are just things you like. <laughs> um, and then and then uh, when Shaggy and Scooby are at the Faux Ghost, like that was a lot of fun to see them. That was uh, a fun scene. Like just interacting and everything. Um, that was a 
<laughs> that was that was that, I was having a really good time with that. The the most fun I had in this movie was when uh, when they first go down into the mine and then they're drinking potions and then Shaggy just becomes like Einstein and really smart and he's like mixing things and then um, the thing that didn't age well for me was Shaggy turning into a girl for a couple seconds. That that didn't that really didn't hold up well. But but then when he becomes super buff, like it's the most memorable. <laughs> Check out my pecs, little man. <laughs> And then they get blown up, and Fred and Daphne and everybody comes by, and he's just like, ha, 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 kaboom. Like, it's it's just so fun. Like, how do you not have a smile on your face? It's it. Yes, it's stupid, but I had a really good time. It's crazy how much these movies feel like, I mean, just in retrospect, they feel like James Gunn movies. Like, I could kind of, like, tell that he wrote this. <laughs> yeah. And it's just so funny how he kind of had, like, his own style already all the way back then, and he just put it on Scooby. Yeah, like the the other the other moment that I wrote down that I really liked is when they're revealing the 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 people and Fred walks up to the cameraman. He's like, "And the real identity of Ned is." He rips on the back and he's like, "Ned." <laughs> like, <laughs> that feels a lot like the, the the Melvin joke from the Suicide Squad, where they're like, "There was a guy named Melvin." Like, yeah. It's, it's yeah, very very similar. So like, yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh. <laughs> They had a nice Mormons joke where they're like, uh, whenever they fall into the pit, there's Girl Scout cookies. And they're like, we have cookies. And then they see the Mormons and they're like, have you heard the good news? And Scooby's like, there's yeah, cookies. cookies. Yeah, that was good blood. <laughs> and, then, and then as they're all leaving, the the, the girls like counties like 55, 50, 60. Like, yeah. Which, which, yeah, I was like, did they, is he counting throughout the day or did those people buy like <laughs> the entire... <laughs> Shaggy and Scooby about the whole car. <laughs> I'm like, dang. Oh. <laughs> um, there was also a really touching moment that I wasn't expecting. There's a couple touching moments. The one that really stood out to me was the the one with uh, Peter Boyle, Old Man Wilkins. Yeah. Um, at the Faux Ghost where, where Shaggy's undercover and he's saying, like, you do anything weird and creepy recently? And he's just like, you want my advice? Like, get out of this while you can because it'll, it'll eat you a lot. And it's just like, Oh, like got real serious all of a sudden. Yeah, and like, ooh, like villain philosophy, and but like specifically like recovered villain philosophy, and then and then as Shaggy tries to reveal himself, and he's just like, I would kill them if I was like, <laughs> kind of ruin that, but like, yeah. sure, it's funny. So, in that note, I wrote down Raymond's dad from Everybody Loves Raymond. Oh, yeah. That's true, <laughs> and he's uh, um, he's got uh, he's got a a well. Well done filmography. So I got another. Oh yeah, role, but can't remember off the top of my head. Um, yeah, Tim Blake Nelson, Seth Green, and uh, Alicia Silverstone. And those are some of the additions. That was. Uh, I mean, Alicia Silverstone hit was a was a star at the time. Um, t- Tim Blake Nelson in there for like a second and a half. Very very short. <laughs> and um, uh, uh, gosh, Seth Green. I mean, this, he he was like a really low key star at the time. And, yeah. yeah, and him and um. Sarah Michelle Gellar and Buffy together, which I don't know if that's why he was cast in that, but there was Probably. a connection there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the the other role I was thinking of uh, Peter Boyle in is uh, he was in Doctor Doolittle, which I talked about last month. Was oh. one I thought of, but uh, but Young Frankenstein, yeah. he's uh, uh, the monster. So, how did you guys feel about that final like fight scene where they were finding all the monsters and they split up? When they split up because they're outside, or when they're, they're inside and 
tar monster thing there i mean i guess all of it i, I would say that all cast like the final the big final fights but yeah when they split up outside mainly mm. i really so that was one of my positives walking away is that i was like does scooby-doo really like a giant action scene yeah. in its finale but for what it was and i don't want them if they keep making these movies i don't think this what they should do all the time i didn't watch that you know, 2020 animated ones. I can't, you know, yeah, that's a but piece of literal garbage. <laughs> I, I, I don't doubt it, but I don't, uh, for here, I thought it was fine enough that I was like, I don't, I don't dislike this. this there was kind of a little bit of stakes, you know, it felt like it. Uh, I did like the jousting convenient motorcycle is convenient, but the jousting was a little bit fun. Throw in some a Bon Jovi track in there, which yep. I'm pretty sure James Gunn <laughs> threw in there. That feels you like gotta, you gotta think he just leaves notes. That's like, hey, you should play Wanted Dead or Alive. Here. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then um, leading up to that, because uh, we would mention Seth Green, um, he, he's got a, a little bit to do in here. Uh, I don't think he works great as a love interest, but I mean, like. There's that good scene with Shaggy and him outside after he's threatening that guy. Yeah. <laughs> like kind of scares him. That gave me a good chuckle. That seems uh, I like him as the curator, but you can tell that the screen or that the, the director told him your job is to be the red herring. Mm-hmm. Your job is to be we we never want to doubt or we never want to be totally sure what your intentions are. And he cranked it up to 11 and yeah. it just didn't quite work because he yeah. was always mischievous or mischievous and plotting and all that and like it didn't necessarily fit with like like he he would have no reason to be mischievous and plotting in in those situations and like they never explain why he's bullying people behind the faux ghost like he's like yeah "Yeah, i'm just trying to he's like i'm trying to figure out information it's like but like where did this bully side of you come from? I mean, like, it was what? like, who, it was like who Shaggy you said, asking? like, it felt like Shaggy made some joke about, like, we're going to leave you and your multiple personalities alone. Like, that's what it feels like. It feels yeah. like he's like we're, Dr. Jack. We're going to make, guy. like, your personality and split. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, th- it, to go back to your question, Alex, um, I I really liked the, the very final part of the battle yeah, okay. where they were all inside. I mean, sure, it seemed kind of unnecessary, but like the whole point of this movie was, uh, at least of Shaggy and Scooby's storyline, was they wanted to feel useful. And Scooby got to be useful in his own way without being you know a buffoon and messing it up, but it all working out in the end. Like he got to have his moment of he's a real hero and... Um, and I thought leading up to that, it was all it was all nice. Oh, also the cotton candy monster joke was like yeah. really hilarious, but really dark. Uh, <laughs> uh, but but like to see to, to, to see Scooby finally like like fulfill what was going on for him, and you know really feel like a core part of the team, mm-hmm. especially because like Velma's only answer is like you're the heart and soul of of Mr. Ink. It's like, but he, but he is kind of. De- dead weight a little bit you know like um i love him and i would you know i want him there but it's like you it kind of gave him like a fulfillment of that literally you're the only one that can do things handle yourself and, um so i thought that i thought that worked out really well and it was fun to see the team kind of work together to keep the the, the frisbee out of the people's uh, or out of the tar monsters clutches and um watching scooby ride a fire extinguisher like a skateboard was a lot of fun um that was probably the most 2000s moment I've <laughs> oh yeah everything about that was so 2000s my problem with the final sequence though is what comes before that because i like the idea of here's this one big group they're moving along i mean this is a pretty frequent like movie trope or story yeah. trope where big group move it along one person stays behind 
to deal with one thing so the rest of the group can continue going and that kind of keeps on going until you're down to two or one people um but my problem was at least in the first movie everybody is normal right they're put into situations that you total like are are relatively realistic for at least the tone of the movie and all that in this one they're straight up superhuman because fred jousts with the knight and gets hit in the center with a, of his chest with a joust, mm-hmm. jousting. His shoulder, which would rip his arm off, yeah. and then gets hit in the middle of the chest, which would for sure kill him. And then um, Daphne gets shocked by the 10,000 volts monster. She would be electrocuted and instantly dead. Daphne's one was the one where I was like, okay, what are we doing? Because first and of all, there's an elect- yeah. it's a giant electric monster, and she decides to kick it, which, bad plan. <laughs> And second, she goes flying. Like she goes right. like thirty feet into the air after getting electrocuted, and then falls down. Just like, oh man, that right. hurts. They have no consequences <laughs> to devastating, life-ending, life-mutilating things. Like that was my that was my problem with the final sequence because, especially even up to that, like they weren't necessarily showing anything that like you know, definitely in the first movie. It was like they never actually like. The most outlet, the most probably would have hurt more was um, when Fred holds the book up to the anvil and gets blown through the window. Like that probably would have broken some ribs and, and a leg or like. But that's not impaled by a lance at a, from a horse going full speed and a motorcycle going full speed. Like those two speeds colliding. Like Fred should be dead three times over. Like, <laughs> um, and Daphne should be withstood enough electricity for four fully grown men like <laughs> Daphne should be like just a crisp at that point right like yeah she should have she should have just turned into dust like <laughs> and if they want to make an homage to the cartoon and or, well I mean the cartoon never really did this but to cartoons in general and kind of mm-hmm. like turn somebody into dust but just the eyeball sitting there and then blink and then they're all of a sudden they're fine the next time you see them or whatever like that wasn't really the tone of what the movie was going for and that completely eliminates all stakes but like kind of maybe would have preferred that other than Daphne kicking a, a giant ball of electricity. <laughs> so I get, I, so I don't know. I liked what they were doing. I like splitting off in one by one. It was just, they became super. Yeah. Um, I feel like that that's the thing about the jousting is they was like, people will get too caught up in this to not really care. Right. It's like, no, people have brains and they use them. You know, when as, I was a child, you think. sure. Yeah. I was a kid. I was like, whatever. As an adult, it's just, yeah. It's, it'll exactly. be one thing if, if throughout the entire movie or from from the beginning, like they pretty much had like cartoon like invulnerable, but mm. that wasn't really the tone that they had before. And so once you get to that part, and they're you know getting <laughs> stabbed in the chest and flying into the air and getting shocked, it's like okay, but this doesn't really feel like the tone that you guys had before. Well, and Shaggy and Scooby go downhill on garbage cans <laughs> at a ninety degree angle, <laughs> and at the bottom of the hill fly into the side of a van <laughs> they should be splat <laughs> like so i guess maybe it wasn't just the final confrontation sure yeah like, and look i was having fun while it was all happening right the bon jovi cue for the music i like i like the way that they dealt with the the night um again one of the jokes i really liked was them uh, velma and daphne trying to figure out how to defeat the black knight the, at the beginning and then velma's like trying to do all these calculations and it winds up being a kick to the groin like <laughs> like yeah Sure, that's funny. So, yeah. There's, uh, let's see, I'm trying to make sure. I, I guess we went over all the notes. Okay, uh, this kind of just goes back to something that we had. These are two, these aren't really notes, they're just kind of joke things. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like the fact that Seth Green landed Linda Cardellini. I have hope. 
And then they have that scene where they just use it as an excuse to put her in a tight outfit. Mm-hmm. And that she has that cringy line. It was something mommy or whatever. Which it, I did get a laugh, but I was also like, this doesn't feel... I don't remember don't... that. I remember you don't remember saying that? Like, I do. I remember, yeah. it, I remember it being, as you said, of that. I was like, this, this is... Everything about that was weird. Everything. Yeah, and then I just wrote down in my notes exactly hints that Velma has a mommy fetish. Dot, dot, dot. Gay? Question mark? <laughs> I just remember the ad lib of when her leather is squeaking and she goes, oops, that was the suit. Like, yeah. <laughs> but That's all I got for my notes. <laughs> yeah, I'm out of notes too. Do you have anything else, Jeffrey? Nah, just, I, I mean, like I said, the biggest takeaway I had from the second movie was, again, it's very clear that James Gunn wrote this and it's mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, it almost feels like, I was really hoping to like the second movie more because after the first one had released, like, all right, now you kind of know what you're going for. Yeah. And it feels like they kind of loosened up the reins a little bit and let let some of the stuff stick around a little bit more, but I don't I, I don't know that either of them worked well. Um okay. Uh now here comes the big question. Um both uh, bo- both of these movies go ahead and answer them together or individually if you'd like. Jeffrey, we'll start with you. Um who if anybody are you recommending this movie to? I I think if you like these movies as a kid, you should watch them again. Just, just to experience them again, just to get another opinion. Because um, I feel like a lot of people, like I've seen so many memes about the Scooby-Doo movies, just like from people reminiscing about them. I'm like, have you actually watched these movies since you were a child? Because I really want more people to like watch this and probably have the same opinion as, as me. It's just like, these movies are a lot crazier than I remember as an adult mm-hmm. than when I was a kid. So yeah. Alex, what about you? Uh, in terms of who I'm recommending it to is just... Like, if a family member has got kids and I'm like, hey, if you want a nice throwback that that lines up with what's still coming out today, these two movies have, for the most part, aged perfectly fine because it's still in tune with what they're making today in terms of Scooby-Doo, mm-hmm. you know? That's, uh, that's all I got. And then, uh, whatever you guys want to move on to trivia. Yeah, let me let me let me answer this question first, and let's get the trivia. Um, I I think if you are remotely interested in watching this or remember having a good time, you should check this out. If you don't remember having a good time as a kid, you're not going to have a changed perspective. If you've avoided them because you thought there's no way this is good, I think you could be surprised. They're, again, these aren't great. They're not like meant to be great. Um, they're meant to be fun and enjoyable, and they are. And if you have kids that remotely like Scooby Doo, um, I wouldn't recommend this as a first thing to Scooby Doo. I would show them some older, you know, like Boo Brothers and um, uh, Reluctant Werewolf, you know, whatever classic Scooby Doo movies and episodes of you like. But this is this is enjoyable, and I would so I would say if you remember liking them, um, you know, you're not gonna you're not gonna do a bad thing by watching them. Um, and if you stayed away from them, if you're mildly interested in watching it, go for it. Uh, Alex, what do you got for trivia for the second one? So I just got two little ones here. Uh, one is all actors did their own stunts, mm-hmm. uh, which I mean, like the main cast, of course, and including Freddie Prince Jr. doing all the, the motorcycle stuff. So that was all him. I don't know how accurate that is, though, because there's a part where they're all, you know, on the highway getting dragged by the rug. And I, I'm pretty sure that if anything like that was happening, it was like a closed set with like a treadmill thing or whatever. Probably. But... but there's like a shot where I'm like that. That's a legit street, and those are people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Either that, or they just sneakily had one really, really good CGI shot. I think the van was going really slow. It never looked like it was going fast in that chase. 
that, that could have been it. Yeah. And then uh, finally, so there was originally going to be a third uh, Scooby-Doo movie to get canceled uh, because the second movie did not make as much money at the box office. It mm. just barely broke even. So uh, it was supposed to take place in Scotland and it was more or less to do with uh, Shaggy and Scooby dealing with their past victims and how they have affected them over the years and how they kind of messed up their lives, even though they was intending to do better. It was mm. definitely go back around to them a whole lot more. It was going to bring in a lot of fan favorites. You know, the stuff that we didn't see in this movie, because they did do a lot of fan favorites, especially like the museum involvement. But, they, you know, I, I mean, like, if it was anything like this, I imagine it could have been just all right. That actually sounds interesting, though. That's, I, I really want to see that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's all I got for trivia. Um, here's another trivia. Uh, originally, Michael Rooker was cast for uh, Old Bengals. Oh, they should have done that. <laughs> that would have been so good. Uh, I can hear his delivery on some of those lines. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, no, man, I really want to see that that third movie. And honestly, at this point, like, even if you can't necessarily, um, even if you can't necessarily get, you do another live action one like this, how about an animated, how about an animated sequel with the original voice cast? Cool. Um, They're not doing anything nowadays. Yeah. I mean, Matthew Lillard would love to come back. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, what's funny is, except for um, Linda Cardellini, most of them nowadays do voice work for the most part. So that would really- let's see. Uh, all right. Well, I think that just about does it. Um, there we go. Uh, there's a uh, there's your talk about Scooby Doo and Scooby Doo Two. Um, you can be- catch these both on HBO Max if you're looking for a free way to watch them. I mean, subscription. Um, you should have HBO Max because HBO Max is the best out there. Uh, for the B plot this week, uh, this could be even. I I just have a pretty relatively simple answer for this, but. Uh, um, I thought with the re- release of the Batman uh, coming out this week, um, we kind of talked about how the Batman is a very is very oversaturated at this point. He's been used to death and, and all that. Um, let's say you're head of Warner Brothers. Um, how would would you like to see Batman done in the future? This isn't necessarily limited to just movies, but pop culture in general. How would you like to see Batman done? Who wants to go first? Uh, I'll go I'll, first. Nope. Oh, I'll kick us off. I'll go kick ahead. us off. Um, I think uh, take a take a pause from live action Batman films. Um, I, I I think that they're always going to feel like oh another one. Um, you could have him incorporated into other things such as you know Batman being incorporated in the Flash later this year, like when Batman's in Justice League or whatnot. Um, take a pause on live action Batman on film. Tell a longer drawn out story for a TV series. Tell six to eight hour stories of Batman wrestling with these villains on a more intellectual intellectual level than we typically see on a more physical level than we see. show the planning show the detective work um have your side plots or whatever and don't oversaturate with villains you know have have one season be one arc the dark knight could easily be a 10 episode miniseries um don't know why or like it's it's a great film as well but it could be an excellent excellent um 10 episode series as well um build a just batman centric theme tell long form stories um and and do that so bring batman back to the small screen give it a big budget don't have it be an origin story have it be batman centric essentially essentially every everything that the end of gotham wanted to be but good (laughs) so um that's 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 my tell tell longer stories and and honestly um the other part to that is uh, whatever's going on with the video games, whatever WB, Montreal, and Rocksteady have been doing, 
keep letting them do it because they're great. So commission more Batman work for them. That's my answer. Bring yeah. Batman to the small screen. Aaron, me and you are basically on the same way. Nice. Yeah, that would basically be my answers. One, yeah, we're oversaturated. I would love for them to just like not do another Batman movie for like ten years <laughs> and then sure. come back to it later. Well, and again, like, not a not a Batman centric film. Yeah, yeah, he could still be in something, but for sure, like we don't need it. Like, because there's enough, and it would be cool for them to take a second and then have somebody completely new and completely fresh take a shot at it in years. And yeah, I would really love like a HBO Batman show with like a Game of Thrones level budget. That would be mm-hmm. amazing. So the the other part to to my answer is, um, gosh, totally lost it, but I wanted I wanted to bring it because it was relevant. Um, oh no, I was just I was gonna say um, when I was in high school, I started writing a little bit of fan fiction, um, but I, I mapped everything out first. I think Batman would make an excellent ten season arc. Um, and, and you make it even if I, I think that's always the way I envisioned if I ever got to be in charge of Batman, I would make a 10 season show that were four to six episodes each. Um, and so your first one is essentially your Batman begins and you have like the introduction of Robin and then you have uh, some other things and essentially coming to like eight is night, the nightfall storyline nine is the dark Knight return storyline and 10 is batman beyond and then and then you just make it the bruce wayne chronicles like i I always imagine batman as a long form tv show with shortened episodes kind of like kind of like something bbc would so yep um alex what about you so actually we're all on the same way wavelength (laughs) we all want tv shows here for batman but so it's sad because it's a great great thing but it's sad and it's true that people aren't going to go out of their way to go check out the Telltale series. Uh, some mm. of them have, but it's specifically the anime within. And I want to see them adapt uh, into a miniseries, the Batman and John Doe storyline, to where he manipulates John Doe into slowly becoming the Joker. And the whole reason for Joker existing is just plotting revenge against Batman and Bruce Wayne. I feel like that could be a whole lot of fun. You could actually just get the guy who voiced... Uh, John Doe in the game, Anthony Ingraver, I want to say. He's appeared a couple times. Like He was in that one movie where he was a young Harrison Ford. I feel like he'd be definitely, yeah, just just use him. And that's that's all I want is because people aren't sadly going to go out of their way and download it. You can get it on your phone, by the way, people. If anyone's listening. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the, the Telltale series for Batman. Is, I mean, every Telltale that I've played is great. Uh, Batman yeah. is for sure one of the highlights. Yeah, that's my whole pitch is, you know, just do like an eight episode miniseries. Let's let's see that. Cool. There you have it. Three for three. Bat- turn. Stop making Batman movies. Make long form Batman stories specifically via TV. Awesome. Well, that just leaves us with a spinoff. So, um, Alex, let's start with you. What is that one thing in any area of pop culture that you're really trying to tell people to go check out or to stay away? So in terms of because uh, I've always done like TV shows or movies. We're including games, right? Yeah, anything okay. pop culture. So me Music, and you, games, whatever. Oh, yeah. So me and you specifically, we've been back and forth on this, but I've really delved back into Bully. It's been my go-to recently. And not only has it been my go-to, but uh, so there's this Rockstar game for anyone who doesn't know. Rockstar the, is the developer behind Red Dead Redemption and uh, Grand Theft Auto, of course. And about and LA almost, Noir. Oh, yeah. And about 20-ish years ago, they released a great cold classic game called Bully. And it was very controversial at the time. And then people finally played it and it was like, oh, this is like 
it actually has substance and it has meaning for choosing the themes that it does. And now you can get it on your phone and your iPad. And surprisingly, that is now my favorite way to play it. I'm about, I've got about 50% completion as we're speaking right now. And I started playing like five days ago because I couldn't put it down. So even on a touch screen where this game was like designed to fit with a controller in your hand is really fun. Seven bucks well worth it. It's the simple story of a kid who has sent off to a boarding school because he's he's been seen as a troublemaker because he comes from a broken family. But then the school is filled with people who are even more terrible than him. And he just slowly climbs the ranks and it's like, hey, you got to stop like hurting people because you're not helping anybody. And it's, uh, I really want to just say that like, it gets called like a, a soft version of GTA, but there's just something really special about it. But the soundtrack, the style, it's perfect for what it is. And, I feel like it's time just to dive back into it if you haven't. Very nice. Bully, um, backwards compatible on Xbox, by the way. So if mm-hmm. you can find yourself a 360 disc, you can play it on any 361 or Series X or S or whatever. Um, if you still have a PlayStation 3, you can find it on that PC as well. Um, but, uh, but also, if Alex is recommending the mobile version for mechanics as well, the mobile version looks better than... Um, yeah. You can see comparison videos. It's remarkable how much better it looks. So there's that. Jeffrey, what's that one thing for you? Uh, my one thing has been my one thing for like the past two months, ever since I saw this movie. Um, The Last Duel is on HBO Max. Watch it. Everybody watch that movie, please. (laughs) It upsets me that more people have not watched that movie. And then it also got uh, zero Oscar nominations, but House of Gucci, I think, which, okay. (laughs) Exactly. Thumbs down. Um, Insane. I think it's, I think it's just a crime. Yeah. Well, I did. My, I did my fair share. I, I I had a movie ticket to go see Last Duel, and I've already bought it. Bought it, so Let's go. I did my fair. Last Duel is a great film. Uh, if you want to see jousting done right, see the Last Duel. <laughs> done. <laughs> exactly. Not Scooby Doo too. <laughs> so good. Yeah. So good. Uh, my one thing is. Um, as we're recording this, this review will launch tomorrow. As as it airs, this review will launch yesterday. But I watched and thoroughly enjoyed the Cuphead show, season one on Netflix. Um, Cup, uh, Cuphead uh, game initially released in uh, uh, on Xbox in 2017 um, and was later released on PlayStation and PC and all that. Uh, Switch. Um, I've I've played the game minimally. Um, it's it's a fun vintage uh, look at vintage anima- animation and 2D side scrolling. Um, and this show is essentially paying classic homage to shows like Looney Tunes, Mickey Mouse, um, uh, Scooby Doo, Where Are You, and like Ducktales. So you get a lot of like original Tom and Jerry, even like you get a lot of like original. Uh, like it, it really feels like this show is paying homage to classic animated shows of that era as well as to some of the lore of the game, which this is not a very lore-heavy show. The game, as I'm told, is very lore-heavy. But you can see there's a lot of Easter eggs. So if you've played the game and you're unsure about the show because you're not sure it's going to translate over, um, it's a lot of Easter eggs for you to enjoy. If you um, have no experience with the game, watch the show because you're guaranteed to have a good time. There are 12 episodes that are about 10 minutes apiece, and they are delightful. So... 
Um, you can watch the whole thing in about two hours, and it's really easy. So, the Cuphead show that's available on Netflix. Well, that's a wrap. Quick reminder, Sif Pop Writers Room is part of the Studio DNA Network. Uh, you can check out other great shows at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. And if you want to write for SifPop.com, you want to join the crew over here, uh, you can uh, send us uh, an email at writersroom@sifpop.com or DM the Sif Pop Twitter. You can also do that if you want to get in contact with the show, send some feedback, or give us some questions to explore during the B-plot. We'd love that. You can contact with me personally on Twitter at Schweikastle. Uh, but that's where you can connect with me in the show. Uh, Jeffrey, let's start with you. Where do you want to send people to? Uh, at Jeffrey Roaming on Twitter. At Jeffrey Roaming on Twitter. There you go. And uh, uh, Alex, what about you? You can catch me on Twitter at Alex Makes Vids and on YouTube at Alex Reviews and stuff. And I promise to start making new content soon. That's right. Uh, do you have like a, a release date on your next video about something james gun related um it really just depends on life you know how it'd be i do know how it'd be i just know <laughs> you're like really excited about that one and just oh yeah it, so oh i'll be promoting it like everywhere that i can i'll be running up to people on the street <laughs> <laughs> uh well that'll do it um next week uh the show is um comic book movies um with joe we're talking about the shadow um so reminder to watch check check that out on hbo max while you're over there watching scooby-doo um uh, so we'll be talking about that next month for nostalgia. We don't have anything picked yet, but I'll have Foster and Scott joining. Me. So uh, make sure to come back next week uh, for the the shadow and next month for another nostalgic pick. Uh, thank you guys so much for hanging out with me. Uh, Alex, always great talking with you. Jeffrey, like love having you on the show for the first time. Would love to have you back. Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, it was fun. Yeah. Um, here's a really awkward way to end it. <laughs>